ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Do you know what? I feel emotionally exhausted and I blame the girls. It's their fault they've taken us on such a journey. But, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of them. They're amazing. That was Neve Owen's first reaction when we spoke to her today and she summed up the situation pretty well. And it made me think about when you get your heart broken, stings, right? There's always that exceedingly positive person in your life who says some variation of don't feel sad because it's ended, be happy that it occurred at all. It's hard to hear, but they're often right. And this podcast, it's a little bit like that today. The big difference is that the Tilly's loss isn't really the end. It's the end of the beginning when more than 11 million Australians tune in, the highest number on record. There simply has to be more to come. So what comes next for the Matildas, for football, for women's sport? How do we capitalise on this once-in-a-lifetime moment? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Neve Owens is a host of Optus Sports World Cup coverage. Neve, today is a lot. So we're going to get you to break down the loss and throw forward to what comes next. And in a tournament that's felt so intertwined with Sam Kerr, despite her lack of involvement from a Matilda's point of view at times, it did all centre on her in the semi-final. A goal that sent the nation delirious, near misses that left Australia just short. How do you make sense of that game from, arguably, Australia's most loved athlete? It was remarkable, wasn't it? When she led the teams out at the start of the night, the roar was deafening in the stadium. To see her name back in the starting lineup was a huge moment. And then she showed us why. England managed to double mark her, mark her out of the contest for much of the first half. But with her first shot on target in the game, Stacky, she set the whole nation alight. It was... A remarkable goal, a goal that only Sam Kerr could score. I was watching her run toward the penalty box and she had Caitlin Ford unmarked inside her and I was thinking, she'll pass it, she'll pass it, she'll pass it. Kerr still racing forward, edge of the box, Sam Kerr shoots right-footed. What a strike! What a goal from Sam Kerr! She's been quiet all game! But now she's raised the noise through the roof here. And I think scored the goal of the World Cup so far and really a goal against the run of play. England were all over Australia throughout the opening stages of this contest. But that was a moment that brought the Aussies back into this game. And it was a moment that showed why Sam Kerr is one of the best footballers on the planet. It was really interesting to hear Tony Gustafsson talk in the aftermath about how it would mean almost nothing to Kerr. She wants to win. She's a winner. I'm happy for her that she got that goal. I also know that she's upset that she missed the two chances at the end of the game. Um, That's how she's wired. What do you make of those comments from the coach, which were in many ways echoed by Kerr herself? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I'm sure on a personal level, the one goal isn't significant for Sam because it came in a match that Australia lost. I mean, the one I missed a bit, the last little bit, but... I think, you know, I did everything I can to be back in this tournament and if I'd trained more than five times this World Cup, maybe I would have sunk that one, but... That's the thing about strikers, isn't it? There are these incredible highs, there are other moments and other opportunities that don't necessarily fall. And I think Sam had a couple of really great opportunities late in this game. Swung into the six-yard box, punch clear. My drop goal just been lifted over the bar from almost point-blank range by 
by Sam Kerr. Just before England's second goal, and we see that so often in football and sport, don't we, where there's an incredible opportunity for one team at one end of the park, they fail to grasp and clinch that moment. The other team goes down the other end of the park and takes their opportunity. So I'm sure she will look back at those moments and I'm sure she'll learn and I'm sure she'll grow from them. But for a player who had to watch the start of this tournament from the stands, I think was probably questioning herself for great swathes of the tournament, whether she would get any game time at all in a tournament that was hers. She was the headline act. So the emotional journey Sam Kerr herself has been on over the last month would be extreme. I'm sure she must feel exhausted today, having played 90 minutes of football for the first time during the tournament and also the highs and and the lows that come after. The moment that sat in the pit of our collective stomach from a Matilda's point of view was England's second goal. How did it go so terribly wrong for the Australians? Yeah, it was a difficult moment, wasn't it? I think Ellie Carpenter had some great moments during this game. I'd love to see the area that she covered. I feel like she motored up and down that pitch. But in this moment, she tried to hold up the defender. She tried to give her goalkeeper time to come out to collect that ball. They took too long, didn't get the ball clear, and a disaster at the back for Australia. Just when they'd got themselves back into the game, a simple long ball over the top from England, in behind the defenders, and Ellie Carpenter didn't get it clear. Lauren Hemp saw her moment. It's not a nice one to watch back, Stacky, and it came at a really crucial moment in the game. England looked the better team for most of the 90 minutes, but that moment came at a time in the game when Australia had fought their way back into this contest. They'd found an equaliser. They were pressing. That really took the wind out of the sails. As you touch on, the Lionesses delivered such a complete performance. Can you give us a sense of the role that the English coach played? Because it felt like a tactical masterclass. It did, didn't it? I think Serena Wiegmann, the coach of England, is one of the best coaches in world football. Her record alone speaks for itself. She's now the first coach, male or female, to reach a World Cup final with two different nations. She took the Netherlands to the World Cup final in 2019 in France, taking the Lionesses to European glory last year, took the Netherlands to European glory in 2017. She took the Netherlands to the World Cup final in 2019 and now she's got England in a World Cup final once again. You know, when you make the first final, that was in 2017, you think, so, this is really special. That might not ever happen again. And then you make a second final, then a third and then a fourth. So, And then you think, all the time, you think this might not ever happen again because the competition is so hard. And in a tournament where they have had a huge number of injuries and complications and challenges to deal with... And she manages to instill this incredible confidence in a team. Watch her in the coaches' dugout on Sunday for the final. She is not up. She's not screaming at the players. She's sitting. She's calm. She's done the preparation beforehand. And the team knows the plan. And that plan was really clear last night. They know Australia is fast on the counter and dangerous in transition. And there were a number of cynical fouls early in this game from England. As soon as the Aussies went to turn on the ball, they took them out early. And Sam Kerr coming away with it. That's a crude challenge then by Greenwood and she gets a yellow card and deservedly so. I thought a number of others could also have copped yellows and then that tactic itself you can't continue with it 
But that wasn't the approach the referee took last night. And to be fair, it's probably consistent with the approach we've seen throughout the tournament where they let the players play and they let the players figure it out themselves. But tactically, I think that really got under the skin of the Australians last night. The Aussies then started to push passes and at halftime, the pass completion rate from an Australian perspective was really low, whereas England's was around the 80% mark. They had a plan, they executed it and they absolutely deserve their place in this World Cup final. The message for the Matildas fans has been, this isn't the end, it's the beginning. And that comes in two parts, on and off pitch. Let's start on field. Third place, playoffs, they're notoriously hard to get up for. Explain why the clash with Sweden is going to be really important. A third place at a World Cup, at a home World Cup, and to finish that home World Cup with a victory in Brisbane on Saturday night would be such a momentous achievement for this team. Remarkable, Stacky. I in all honesty, never thought coming into this tournament that the Matildas would be there on the final weekend of the Women's World Cup. The girls have absolutely smashed it. They've done so well and, you know, they've done us really proud, including myself. So, of course, I would have loved to have been out there, but it wasn't to be. It's been an incredible journey and an incredible performance from the team. So I think that game on Saturday against Sweden will be really difficult. Sweden are a defensively astute team and they have this ability to just shut up shop, park the bus, if you will. The Aussies in the past have found that quite difficult to break down, hard to work around. They've had a win over Sweden quite recently, but this Swedish team throughout the World Cup have been formidable. So I think the task is a difficult one on the field on Saturday night, but I think it would be so brilliant and so deserved for the team as well to go out with a win in that final game. I think it's also crucial that we remember the Paris Olympics is under 12 months away. Surely this experience only strengthens this group's resolve. Yeah, and this group of players who have played together for a good decade now, Stacky, and have been called the golden generation numerous times without having lifted a trophy at the end of a tournament. And they have gone on this incredible run throughout this World Cup, playing the best football that we have seen them play as a unit and really showing why they're the golden generation, what they can achieve, what they're capable of. And you're right, the Olympic Games is the next target now. It comes soon. It comes at a time when the players will return to their WSL clubs in England and continue to play at the highest level of football week in, week out. So continuing to grow. So I think it comes at a very good time for Australia and at a time when they will be feeling confident in their ability to match it with the best teams in the world. If we're thinking about the semi-final defeat, not being the end, but the beginning, what comes next has to centre around harnessing this momentum and the sport Football has failed on this many times before. Sam Kerr wants more money. You know, we need funding in our development. We need funding in our grassroots. We need funding in our... We need funding everywhere. How do they get it right this time? Really interesting comments from the skipper, Sam Kerr, after the game last night, talking about that funding piece. And I think that's hugely important, Stacky. We've seen the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. We've seen Annika Wells, the Minister for Sport, going on this journey with the Matildas throughout the World Cup. We've seen them emotionally involved and they have seen the impact that this team, this bunch of boss women, can have on Australians. 
So I think with that also needs to come an increase in funding. Football has been underfunded as far as major sports go in Australia for a very long time. The you know, comparison to other sports isn't really good enough and hopefully this tournament kind of changes that because that's the legacy you leave, not, not what you do on the pitch. The legacy is what you do off the pitch. So it would be incredible to see that change. It's the most played participation sport by juniors in the country. So there's heaps of very good reasons in there to see a funding increase. What I'd also love to see, Stacky, is the football fans who have emerged throughout this tournament, who have witnessed the roller coaster that this incredible game can take you on. I'd love to see them show up for the A-Leagues over the summer. Come and watch the, the place, the league that creates these Matildas. All 23 members of this Matildas squad grew up, developed, played in the A-Leagues. It's the place that Matildas are born. So come and watch the next generation develop. And I think that will be a really important thing for the A-Leagues themselves to harness over the course of the summer. It's on the government. It's on us too. Neve Owens, thanks so much for your time throughout this tournament. We really appreciate it. Uh, no worries, Stacky. I've loved it. And I'm still, well, today I think we'll all be feeling a little deflated. I'm still really excited for the weekend to come. Headlines. Surfing in 25-year-old Jack Robinson has scraped into the WSL finals after defeating Gabriel Medina to win the Tahiti Pro in Chopu. Never stopped, you know, even when I was down through the year and then I, I pulled it back up and I just want to thank the people that are with me you know you know you guys know who you are no worries Jack we got you Ethan Ewing should be at Trestles too but he fractured his back leading into Tahiti so it's unclear if he'll be ready for California next month in the women's Tyler Wright and Molly Picklam have made the top five for the title deciding event they have a shot at glory in September. Swimming Australia has been warned it could be banished from world aquatics over concerns the way the sport is being run as SA battles heavy turnover at executive level and a clunky constitution model where the states, the Australian Swimming Coaches and Teachers Association and the Oz Swimmers Association are all stakeholders who have a say in how things are run. Swimming Australia has called a special general meeting in October to vote on a change to the organisation's constitution as they see to address the concerns raised. If SA was expelled from World Aquatics, it would mean our top swimmers would, theoretically, have to compete under a neutral flag, which is pretty hectic. Tennis and Max Purcell has claimed the biggest win of his career, beating world number seven Kasparud in three sets in the second round of the Cincinnati Open. The news was not so good for Alex Dimonor. He was beaten by 36-year-old Frenchman Gal Monfils in straight sets. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Don't forget the Matildas Clash with Sweden will be live and free on the ABC Listen app. Thanks to Optus Sport, Channel 7 and the WSL for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.